You're listening to the Southwide Baptist Church Podcast with Pastor Jeremy Lewis. At Southwide Baptist Church, our mission is to boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and thereby lead people to worship God authentically, connect in biblical community, grow in Christian maturity, and multiply disciples and churches both locally and globally. For more information about our church, please visit www.southwidebaptist.com. Now let's join Pastor Jeremy for today's message. If you have a copy of God's Word, let me invite you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. I love... I love that hymn that we sang this morning. Um, Crown him with many crowns, the lamb upon his throne. Hark how the heavenly anthem drowns all music but its own. Awake my soul and sing of him who died for me. And hail him as thy matchless king through all eternity. Jesus is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. And He is the King of our lives, such that we have been called and we have been saved in order that we might surrender our lives to our King and live our lives for His glory and in submission to His rule and His reign in our lives. He is our King. Well, Ephesians chapter 5 this morning as we look at part 2 of marriage this morning. Uh, We began last week working our way through Ephesians 5 and into Ephesians 6, dealing with the gospel in the Christian family. I shared with you quite a number of statistics uh, about our world and how the family is falling apart. Those are not things uh, that you have to look very far to discover. You don't have to know the statistics. Just look at the world around you. And I shared with you last week that I believe with all of my heart that it is the fact that the gospel is not at the center of homes. And that is the result of or that is what results in our families being broken, marriage in crisis, absent fathers in our world, the age of sexual revolution where we have transgenderism and same sex relationships and all kinds of other distortions. And the reason is because the gospel is not at the center of the family in America. And the only thing that will salvage families in America, the only thing that will redeem brokenness in our families is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you and I have a sin problem. And until that sin problem is dealt with by our Savior, then we have no hope of being husbands in the right way. We have no hope of being wives in the right way. Certainly not parents. Or children. I was listening to someone just this week and kind of the world that I've been living in. And I'll share more about that world in the coming weeks of uh, some things that, that, that the Lord has opened up for me to be able to do to be among lost people. Um, and I was listening to a man, uh, kind of an exchange that happened this week. And the question was asked, so and so, have you ever been married? And he said, I, he's lost as, as it comes. He said, I don't have women in my life for a long time. I have women in my life for a good time. So we have a world of broken, broken marriage. So what does it look like then to have the right kind of marriage in our life? Last week we looked at husbands and I was hard on you guys. The word is hard on us. We have to love our wives in a way that Christ loved the church. And that is hard, not not just because we we have been married to women that are imperfect, although that is true. But because we are imperfect, and that is primarily the issue. And so to try to live out loving relationships in the way that Christ loved His church is a challenging thing as we deal with our own sin. This week, we move on to the wives. I had some wives tell me over the week, really didn't even get me on Sunday. Uh, Well, I'm just going to stay home next week, uh, so you just need to know that. We actually, it was crazy. We had a crazy amount of volunteers that wanted to serve in the nursery this week, and I I just don't understand that. But it is to the wives that we address this truth this morning. I thought about wearing my shirt again 
I love my wife, not this week, not out of declaration, although it is true, but out of protection, because you're going to be afraid after we get done this morning that I don't love women in this room. And so I want to just tell you right up front um, that I deeply care for the women of our faith family. And I am jealous that you live lives that are worthy of the gospel and honoring to your husbands and glorifying to God because it is a good and precious gift that you have been given by the Lord, this gift of your marriage. No matter what pain may come along with it, God has given you a precious gift. And again, I say to those this morning who are not married or maybe widowed or maybe there's been divorce in your past, you need to hear this thing too because it's going to take the whole body of Christ riding this ship that is so severely capsized. So, wives, I want to invite you to stand with me, with your husbands, and with the other men and children in the room as we give honor to the reading of God's Word. Ephesians chapter 5, begin with me in verse 22, as wives are addressed first. He says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, his body And is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ. So also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands. Love your wives. As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That he might sanctify her. Having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. So that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. For he who loves his own, he who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself And let the wife see that she respects her husband. Let's pray. Lord, just as we came to your word last week with a sensitive subject, we again come to your word with a sensitive subject. Lord, and I am reminded that I am an imperfect husband. And God, that it is by your authority and your authority alone that I speak these things this morning. On the authority of your word, God, would you, by your spirit, speak to the hearts of women. And God, I pray that the gospel would transform how they feel and who they are and what they believe. So that as a result, God, it would change the kind of wives that they are in their home. I pray, God, that you would strengthen and encourage those wives who are in a place they do not understand or Maybe even don't understand how to apply the things that we look at this morning. God, would you give clarity there and open up eyes to see and hearts to believe? And God, would you calm and give peace? God, would you give us this morning a room full of women who are strengthened by your spirit, empowered to live out godly womanhood before their husbands? Lord, if there's a woman or even a man here this morning who doesn't know Jesus, who's never submitted, to their, submitted their lives to you as king, Lord, I pray that that would be the first submission that would take place this morning. They would surrender to you today and be born again. Lord, unless a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And so I pray that we would get that right this morning, that the gospel would change destinies this morning and then change us. And I pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. So what I want to do this morning, we, we looked at a lot of introductory things when it comes to Ephesus, the city, when it comes to Ephesians, the church, and marriage in general. These foundational kinds of truths that we should understand about marriage. 
We looked at a lot of different things. We don't have time to unpack that this morning. It would be wise for you to review those things, wives, as you are preparing to live out these truths. But in order to bring the context back to us this morning and and to be clear about what it means for wives to be wives, we need to understand some things about Ephesus. And so I just want to remind you of a couple of things by way of context and and culture when it comes to the city that Ephesus or that the church rather at Ephesus in this city called Ephesus was experiencing or wrestling with. The Ephesian culture was one that did primarily two things when it came to women. Primarily, the the Ephesian culture objectified women, number one. They objectified women. In Greek culture, which is where this began, this kind of Greek culture that swept across the world there, there was a, a, a treatment of women as if they were objects. The men would, would treat them as trophies at times where they would put them on their arm and show them off. Look at my beautiful wife and you should do that, men. You should show off your wife. But these were trophies. They were objects. Sometimes wives would be those that stayed at home and made sure they were out of sight and out of mind, but made sure when the husband came home that everything was in order so that he didn't have any kind of a frustrating day or any kind of a problem in his in his life. And then there were those pleasure goddesses that men had that they would give their their physical side to and everything that that they did was chasing after pleasure and so women were objectified it's not much different than the culture we have today we wrestle with things like pornography and and we wrestle with prostitution and and even one night stands that we call relationships we objectify women in our day And yet it's not the only issue because not only was there Greek culture, there was Roman culture that was kind of weaving its way into this world. And so the rise of the Roman Empire brought a new liberation for women. Women became prominent in political position and power and they wanted to make a name for themselves. They didn't need men in order to do what they were doing. It was it was somewhat of a of an early world feminism that moved across the Western world, Eastern world, and this was the same as in the Western world today. We have a movement of feminism across our world that says to women that they should liberate themselves from men. They don't need men. They can live and work and succeed on their own without any help. To do anything else would be weak. But but women are not weaker than men. They are of the same strength as men, and so they ought to be able to do all the same things, have the same rights. And this is the argument of the feministic movement of our culture. It's not different than we've faced for centuries, millenniums. And so Paul comes into this kind of a culture and he says to these women, imagine the audacity of these words. Women who, who see themselves as beauty, and now that beauty has become power. He says to these women, you Christian women, wives who've been born again, when you, when you get married, you're married to your husband within this relationship, he says, submit to them. Are you kidding me, Paul? Submit to my husband? That makes me weak. I'm not going to do any such thing. He says to them, submit to your own husbands. And then he adds the phrase, as to the Lord. As if it's God's will that you submit. It's not just a suggestion. Paul is saying this is something God wants from wives. That word submit is carried over and kind of explained in a, in a different, a different perspective or different spectrum when he gets over into verse 33 when he reinforces it there. He reinforces and says that wives ought to be respectful to their husbands. They ought to respect their husband. What does that mean? Well, it's, it's more than submission of just mere action. Submission of attitude. Respect is the kind of approach. You don't, just, you don't just follow your husband and submit to his authority in your life. You actually do it with a glad heart. Respectfully and honoring of him. And this is what Paul says. By the way, the context for the passage really comes from the previous passage. If you know your Greek, you'll know that in verse 22, when it says to submit to your own husbands, the word submit is not there. 
it gets the word from the previous passage, verse 21, when we as the church body really look back at verse 20, giving thanks always for everything to God and the Father, uh, God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, wives to your own husbands. What he's saying, saying is, in the same way in the body of Christ you submit to one another, that you ought to also submit to your husbands. And it's not out of compulsion. The word is in the, is in the kind of tense that says that it's, that it's a willful kind of submission. The church willfully coming together in covenant relationship called church membership, where we under Christ have submitted our lives to one another and ongoing we submit our lives to the word among each other. He's saying the same thing to wives. Wives, you've entered into a covenant relationship with your husband. And so in that covenant, you are you are to willfully, eagerly even submit yourself to his authority in your life And respect him in doing it, not in some begrudging manner. So what is Paul teaching us in a sentence? Wives, respectfully submit to your husband as to Jesus. If you want to know, wives, what to do this week, what do you do in your marriage? This is what you do. You respectfully submit to your husband as to Jesus. That's your goal. When it gets difficult, what do you do? You submit to your husband respectfully as to Jesus. When it's easy, you respectfully submit to your husband. Whenever he wrongs you, you respectfully submit to your husband as to Jesus. Whenever things don't seem fair or things seem so broken, they'll never be repaired. You respectfully submit to your husband as to Jesus. Just like the previous truth that we looked at about husbands, there are no conditional husband, uh, no conditional statements or instructions when it comes to husbands. There are no conditional instructions when it comes to wives. They're unconditional. Submit to him as to the Lord. Had a lot of uh, wives joking over the weekend. Pastor, I just I know you heard uh, or I know you said that I can do whatever I want to my husband and and he's just got to keep loving me. That's what you said, Pastor. And I'm just going to take that to the bank. No, that's not what I said. Public record. What I said was. It doesn't matter what your wives do to you, men. At the end of the day, your responsibility remains the same. Love your wives. In the same manner, the coin flips to the other side this morning. Wives, it doesn't matter how your husband treats you at the end of the day. Your instruction is the same. Respect, honor, and submit to your husband. This flies in the face of our nature, doesn't it? I don't want to submit. I don't want to do what anybody says for me to do. It flies in the face of our culture, especially American culture. I mean, think about it. In a culture that prizes individualism and freedom, we, we have rights. You can't treat me that way. I've got rights. It flies in the face of our idea of freedom. Subordination for us or or submission to us sounds like exploitation. It sounds like oppression or or slavery, but that's not at all how it's presented in this passage. In fact, I would argue with you this morning, argue for argue to you that our our statement, our stakehold on freedom in our country is very borderline. Our stake that we hold on freedom is sometimes not freedom at all. Sometimes it is an anti-authoritarian approach to living. And we call it freedom. And if we're not careful, that kind of worldview will enter into our marriages. By the way, some of you experienced it even this week when your children threw fits. It is, there is an order that God has established and it is good and it is it is honoring and it is glorifying to God and that order God has done so not for our harm or for our slavery he has done so for our freedom because authority brings freedom in our lives we are free to live life that is not not in fear of judgment or fear of Punishment because we've been freed in Christ. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. Our freedom comes in obeying God's Word. 
And so there is a biblical ground for submission and Paul gives it to us. We want to know why we submit. Here is the ground. He gives it to us there in verse 23. So submit. We know what it means. He says, for. Really important word. Anytime you see that in your Bible, you should probably underline it or circle it. Maybe you come up with a good, neat little little symbol that, that gives uh, some symbol for a reason. Why? <clears throat> the reason why we submit is verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife. The husband is the head of the wife. Now you remember the old-fashioned argument, Right? This is an old-fashioned kind of a thing. Husbands, wives don't submit to husbands anymore. That's an old, patriarchal, oppressive kind of a society. But notice that he doesn't root it in the New Testament world. He says the husband is head of the wife and then later argues from Genesis. He argues from Genesis. So we should take our cue, right, that, that a man should leave his father and mother and cling to his wife. Shouldn't we take our cue from creation? Creative order, not necessarily New Testament culture. By the way, we should always take our cue from the Bible and not our culture. But the statement has its root in the beginning. So what I want you to do, just real quickly, hold your place, go over to Genesis chapter 2. Let's see this. Genesis chapter 2, what does it mean to be a wife? According to design. Not what you feel like, not what your emotions tell you. Not what the culture tells you. What does it look like according to design? Right at the beginning. Genesis chapter 2. Look at verse 18 with me. Genesis 2 verse 18. So this is the creation of man. We love this passage for all that it does. We, we love talking about being created in the image of God. Genesis 2 makes it plain that not only does God give, these, give this design of creation, He gives the roles laid out in creation. Look with me at verse 18. The Bible says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. He sees man, it's not good. He needs somebody. I will make him a helper. If there is a helper, it implies that there is someone being helped. If there is a helper, a follower, it implies there is someone who is leading. A helper fit for him. He needs somebody to come alongside him in the task that I'm giving him to help him carry out what it is I've called him to do. Verse 19. Now, out of the ground, the Lord formed every beast of the field and he does something unique. Every beast or rather every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. But verse third or verse 20 says uh, the man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. There's something missing. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up the place with with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this is this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. We, we know that God created the, the world out of nothing. There, this is a clear indication that woman has come out of man. Then verse 24 that we read in Ephesians. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and wife were both naked and were not ashamed. That doesn't sound like an oppressive picture to me, does it to you? It doesn't sound hateful. It doesn't sound like slavery. It sounds like the goodness of God. And yet, God in designing man and woman and marriage has, yes, created them equally in the image of God. Both man and woman are created in the image of God. And yet, it is okay for man and woman to have differing roles. It doesn't change or deplete the value of woman or of man. Rather, it upholds the God-given value that we have in creation. 
Created in the image of God for the purpose of man being the head of his home and wife submitting to her her husband and being the helpmate of the home. The husband's appointed spiritual position in the home is that of head. And so therefore, this God-appointed position requires submission from his wife. But it's not the only reason. And this is where... Men, you don't get off scot-free completely, although we looked at it last week, but see this. The husband's intended spiritual leadership in the home is the second ground. It's built on the husband's appointed spiritual position. It's also built on his intended spiritual leadership. Men, you were intended to lead your home in the Bible, in the Word, and according to God's Spirit. You were intended to lead your wives spiritually. That's the point. And God has designed it that way. And we see that from the passage before. Verse 19, they're addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That's the Word. They're singing the word. They're instructing one another in the Bible. And as a result, they're to submit to one another in fear. And it is the same thing. We looked at it last week. That that husbands are to wash their wives in the water of the word. And so, wives, you've been given a precious gift in a husband who will wash you in the water of the word. Men, take that responsibility and live it out. And wives, submit to his godly leadership In your life, there is a unique responsibility of men to lead and women to follow in their homes. So, wives, respectfully submit to your husband as to Jesus. Some of you already have another objection going on when I make that statement. Submit to your husband as to Jesus. And some of you are going, well, my husband ain't no Jesus. I'm just going to tell you. He just, I, I could make you a list of all the things that he does wrong. I could make you a list of all the things he's done wrong in the past. And man, we could just, them fighting words, we can just go at it. Come to blows every single time because he just doesn't do nothing like Jesus. Again, it's not conditional. Just as the instruction to husbands... It was not conditional. It's not conditional for wives. Certainly, if a husband tells a wife that she is to do something that is contrary to God's word, or if a wife or a husband rather invites a wife to participate in something that he is participating in that is directly against God's word, wives, you should obey God rather than men. You hear me? Your husband encourages you to disobey the Bible. You obey God and let the chips fall where they may. You can do that respectfully. You can do that without a bad attitude, but you obey God and you do it respectfully. But let's be honest. How many of our husbands actually tell us or lead us to do things that are ungodly? I mean, be honest. It's rare, isn't it? It's rare that our husband would say, hey, let's go do this. Or, hey, you better do this. Even though it's against God's word. What is more often the case is that our husbands lead us to do things and the way that they lead us itself is ungodly. They don't lead us to do ungodly things, but they lead us in an ungodly manner. The attitude, the mistreatment, the harshness. Maybe they do ungodly things themselves and you have to avoid participating in those things. Maybe they don't lead from a Christian worldview. But there is no excuse even when they lead in an ungodly way for you to turn and and revile them. For the most part, you can lead your life as a quiet, godly, submissive wife. And you can do so because you've been empowered by the blood of Jesus Christ and by His Spirit. And even in the most painful circumstances, living in the harshest of with the harshest of husbands, you can actually lead out in honoring the Lord. And it's a precious gift. So, wives, what does it mean to respectfully submit to your husbands? There are two major requirements in the passage and that we will spend our time on this morning as it remains Two. Major requirements in the passage that must be lived out. Number one, 
Wives, submit your life to the authority of Jesus. Wives, submit your life to the authority of Jesus. You should mark, underline, highlight, circle, star, capitalize, whatever you can, this phrase in verse 22. As to the Lord. As to the Lord. That should be understand in the, understood in this way. You should submit to your husband as you do to Jesus. So the question that we should ask when it comes to being wives is not first, how do I submit to my husband? The question we should ask is, how do I submit to Jesus? Well, now that's a different question, isn't it? That's a harder question. That one seems to be drawn in the sand far more clearly. Because we believe, amen, church, that Jesus is the King of kings. Amen? We believe that Jesus is the Lord of lords. Amen? And we believe that we have been crucified with us, or crucified with Christ. It is no longer us who live, but Christ who lives in us. That the life we go on and live in the flesh, we live by faith in the Son of God, in the one who died for us and rose again. We, we believe that Jesus is our life. We're no longer our own. We've been bought with the precious blood of Jesus. And so wives, how is it that you should submit your life to the authority of Jesus if he has all authority? Well, there's some very clear implications in the passage as to how you might do that, just like there were for men and how Jesus loves his church. You must believe his gospel, number one. Wives, when you submit to the authority of, of Christ, it begins with believing his gospel. He says Christ is head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Listen to me. If you don't believe that, and I don't mean if that's not some accepted fact in your head. I'm saying if your heart is not fully wrapped around that, that Jesus Christ is head of His church and He gave Himself up for her and He is, we are His bride and He is our Savior. If you don't believe that with all of your heart, soul, mind and strength, you will never know what it means to submit to the authority of Jesus. It is, it is the fact that Jesus loves us. His loving kindness leads us to repentance. When you realize that Jesus Christ, the only perfect spotless Lamb of God, not like the church who has spot and wrinkle and blemish, but when you realize that Jesus, the spotless Lamb of God, has given His life for you, and He came after you and pursued you as His bride, and He loves you, only then are you born again, led to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ and ultimately surrender all that you are to Him. You've got to believe the Gospel. You weren't created for you. You were created for God and yet your chasing after you has led you down a road of destruction throughout your entire life. The Bible calls this sin. We chase after ourselves. We set the rules. We, we choose our own standard of living and at the end of the day we have to be saved out of that. And oh, the beauty of a Savior who gave Himself for us. This wonderful Gospel. Now, I'm going to tell you as a, as a believer, nobody tells me i got to surrender to Jesus. I want to surrender to Jesus. He's my King. He's my Lord. Women, that ought to be the relationship you have with Christ. No pastor, no Sunday school teacher, connect group leader, no leader should ever have to beg you to follow Jesus. He's your Lord. Believe His Gospel. Is the Gospel good news this morning? Then you submit to the authority of Jesus. Secondly, then, you also must surrender to His Lordship. He uses a really simple phrase. Christ is the head of the church. His body. And is Himself its Savior. He's the head. It means He's at the top. You all know what that means? <laughs> How many of you work for a company that has a CEO or some sort of a manager? Anybody? Some of y'all work for yourself. That's okay. 
you still got bosses. I'm just telling you, all your customers are bosses. But in the, at the end of the day, he's head. It means he's an authority. I want to camp out here so badly because we have somehow bought the lie that we can receive Jesus as Savior and not, and not submit to him as Lord and be saved. There is no separation between Jesus as Savior and Jesus as Lord. Jesus is Savior and Lord. When you, when you follow Jesus, you don't just get the benefits of having been saved from your sin. You get the, the, the demand on your life. And, and by the way, a, a great demand, a precious gift to follow him. You must follow Jesus. There is no faith without repentance. There is no forgiveness without repentance. There is no eternal life without turning from sin. We must turn away from our lives. We submit to Christ as Lord. He is our master now. And that is not a hard thing to do. When you come to faith in Jesus, we do so eagerly. Christ is the head of the church. Not just this church, but all churches. His body. Believers. He is himself its savior. So we surrender to his lordship, wives. Third, we be obedient to his word. Obedient to his word. So the husband is head of the wives. He should, we should submit to the husband. Here, watch this. It's in the present tense. So also wives should submit to their, or rather, now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives submit in everything to their husbands. As the church submits to Christ. It's an ongoing, present, non-complete kind of a statement. We submit our lives continually to the word. Be obedient to his words. What does it mean to submit to the authority of Jesus? His word bears all authority on my life. Again, I want to camp out, but your perspectives, your opinions, your feelings have no authority on your life. This book has all authority on your life. Truth has authority on your life. Who it says you are, you are. What it says you should do, you should do. Who it says that you are not, you are not. What it says God has done and who He is, He is and He has done. And what it says will happen, will happen. His Word is true. Submit your life to His Word. Ultimate, absolute authority in your life. And fourth, live for His glory. What does it mean to submit to the authority of Jesus? Live for His glory. When it says Christ is the head, it's not just a statement about authority. It's not just a statement about position. It's a statement about preeminence. This is what Colossians says. Colossians 1 and verse 18 says that He is the head of the body. Again, authoritative. The church. He is the beginning. The firstborn from the dead. And then this statement is added that in everything he might be preeminent. The glory of Christ in all things. For you to submit to the authority of Jesus means you're going to live your life to the glory of God. Not yourself. Not your family. Watch this now. Not your kids. That's coming next week. The glory of God. In your kids, and in your husband, and in your family, and in your church, and in the world. You live for God's glory. So wives, is this where you are? Have you completely submitted yourself to the authority of Christ? Now what does it mean for wives to submit to their husbands? It's actually quite simple once you see those things. It's actually quite simple. Wives, submit your life to the authority of your husband. So how do you do that? Now, as the church submits to Christ, notice the statement, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. You should submit to your husbands. If, if you submitted to Christ in this way, the same way you submit to your husband, so the things flow, and they can't flow exactly because, of, of course, your husband isn't Jesus. I've already established that. What does it look like? How do you live out those things we see in the passage before your husband? I, I would say beginning with believing the gospel with him. Believe the gospel with him. How many of you are the perfect wife? Don't even put your hand up. I know. That. Don't even. Don't even. How many of you are the perfect husband? Wives, grab your husband's hand and don't let him put it up. You see, there's the reality of both of us 
wives, husbands being sinners and entering into a covenant relationship in which we have to figure out how to keep loving Jesus and loving one another. And I don't know about you, but I believe the gospel is powerful enough and able through God's spirit. It is powerful and able to be able to redeem any broken marriage. I believe that. If you will believe the gospel together. So believe the gospel together. Secondly, be respectful to his headship under Christ. Be respectful to his headship under Christ. When he says Christ is the head of the church, we know that the husband is head of the wife. That was done by Jesus. He gave at creation. He gave husbands to be heads of the wife. Then you are respectful to the headship of Christ when you are respectful to the headship of your husband. Do you see that? You're honoring Jesus as head of the church when you honor your husband as head of your home. Christ is the head of the church, His body, and is Himself His Savior. By the way, wives, that doesn't mean total silence. You don't get a say in the matter. It doesn't mean always agreeing on everything. It doesn't mean that when He tells you to do something that's not according to the Bible, that you have to do that. It means that you honor Him as the head, and overall, you follow His leadership in your home, which leads to number Three, be obedient to his leadership, specifically in the word. As he leads you in the word, washes you in the water of the word, as the church submits to Christ, the words of Christ is what he's describing. Anything that doesn't contradict, you follow. And by the way, I want to just be real clear about that. Some of you are going, well, my husband wanted me to do something. It's not in the Bible. That means I don't have to do it wasn't against the Bible, but because it's not in the Bible, I'm not going to do it. No. Wrong answer. You follow, it's, it's, it's in this way. God sets up authority structures in the church in the same way. You follow, the same way the church follows Jesus and in His authority, the pastor. Wives, we have the churches here. Wives follow Jesus and in his authority, their husband. And until your husband does something directly against God's word, you follow. That's the call. Doesn't mean you're not your own person. It just means that you're upholding and honoring this precious gift that God has given you and honoring the Lord. Be obedient to his leadership in the word. And then fourth, and and I love this one. I, I think that this honors what Jesus is as the head and his, being, his glory being supreme and, and what we see as the wife being the helpmate in Genesis 2. I love this. Christ is the head and so live for the glory of God in him. Live for the glory. Husband, whatever his name is. I want to live in such a way that, man, you follow Jesus with everything that you are. I want to make that easy for you. At least I don't want to stand in your way. I want to make it the best way I can possible for you to follow Jesus. So I want to serve you and I want to help you in doing that. And I want to lead in the home with our children and care for our home and in the church and serve alongside you in ways. I want to do that. Why? Because I want to make it. I want to make the glory of God shine in your life. Like that's my goal. Oh, wives, what a precious gift that is to your husbands that you would desire that the glory of God would shine in their life and that you would be willing to do anything it requires under the authority of God to do so. So wives, respectfully submit to your husbands. There is one special case, a couple of things, and we're going to bring this to a close. There is one special case, at least one, that I don't, want to, I don't want to close up without addressing this morning. Because there may be someone in this room, either a wife or a husband, who says, Pastor, I am living in a, in a specific case where either A, my husband, my wife, wants nothing to do with Jesus, isn't alongside me in any of this, isn't raising our children in godly ways, that's all on me. Some of you are saying, yeah, that's, that's, that's me. There may be someone else in this room, or this listening on podcasts when we put this on the web later, 
that you would say, my husband or wife knows Jesus, but they are living in some of the most sinful ways right now, and I have pleaded with them and prayed for them, and I don't know what else to do. First off, I would say to you, 1 Corinthians 7, do not leave them. You do not have that freedom. You keep praying. You keep living for the Lord. But do not leave them. In fact, quite the opposite. First Peter gives clear instructions. And I wish we had time to unpack this passage. Maybe we will. Maybe we will. As the Lord leads. First Peter 3. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands. That's the same command, isn't it? Be subject to your own husbands. And here's what it says. So that even if some do not obey the word. Is that, is that the category? Or wives. Is that the category? They may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. I grieve with you this morning because that is not easy. You are in a position where that is so incredibly, gut-wrenchingly hard. But you have the most powerful being in the universe at your side, who is your rear guard, who is the one who lives inside of you to will and to do his good pleasure, and he is wielding his will in your life. And so you trust him and you follow him and you pray like crazy for your husband. There's one other passage that does bring us to a close this morning and that should drive us to ask this question. The spiritually alone, what do you do? You let your submission encourage his salvation and his surrender. That's the goal. Do that for the glory of God. But then the question should arise for us. Why, if all of this is so real, why is marriage so hard? Pastor, why is it so hard? Like I'm going to hear this sermon and I'm going to go home and we're going to fight. You, You just need to know that. I don't understand this. God has already made that clear. Genesis 3.16, I want to just read it to you. You You should mark it down and go back. After the fall, there's a curse. Sin came into the world. And to the woman, God said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. There's, there's, if you're wondering who to blame, there it is, right? In pain, you shall bring forth children. So this problem for women because of this. Then he says this statement that is so strange. If you really think on it, he says, your desire shall be contrary to your husband. but He shall rule over you. You're not going to want to submit to your husband ever. It's not something that's naturally in you. Your natural man wants to say, no, I'm not doing that. (laughs) I'm not doing that. And men, you're going to naturally want to oppressively force your wives into submission when you don't get your way. And the word says to men, don't use this passage as a weapon. You love your wives. We joke and we carry on, but at the end of the day, hear me. Love your wives. Love them. Woo them with your loving kindness and they follow as unto the Lord and their responsibility. Wives, your responsibility is submit to your husband eagerly. And you know what the result will be? The gospel will be on display in your home and you will be unashamed. Some of you this morning live in constant shame every day of your life because you know who you are. Maybe it's your marriage. You know what's going on in your marriage and maybe nobody else does. And there's been some awful things done. The reason why, the reason why your marriage is in pieces is because of sinful pride. That's just, it's just the fact of the matter. And some of you have never been saved. You don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Your destructive ways are are just going on in that way. Today you need to be saved. You need to turn from your sin and trust in Christ. And Christ redeems you and your life. 
It makes the difference between heaven heaven and hell for you. you. You go to heaven and spend forever with Jesus. That's good news. You don't have to spend forever under His wrath. And God begins a work in your home to change you. Praying for your husband or your wife as God does the same thing in them. You do that and keep praying. But some of you need to turn to Christ this morning. Some of you aren't married. Some of you don't even know what any of these things look like. The beauty of it is God is speaking to you the gospel this morning that you would trust in Christ. So with every head bowed and every eye closed all across the room, what I want to invite you to do this morning in just a few moments as we stand, uh, we've gotten to the invitation and, and the end of this marriage passage. And um, Here's what I'd like to ask. This will be our invitation. If you are in this room and you are a couple that just simply wants to come and pray over your marriage. Maybe you're not in crisis. Maybe you are. Ask for God's help. Ask for God's strength. Thank God for his blessing. This altar is open for you to come and kneel with your husband or your wife. And to pray. Man, if you've never been the spiritual leader of your home, you begin to do that. There will be others in this room who are not married or who are here alone for whatever reason or another. And what I want to encourage is that wives, as you see that, that you sense God's Spirit to go pray with those wives. Husbands, as you sense the need, you go pray with those husbands. And I want to just spend some time, and I know the hour is late, but let's just spend some time this morning Praying for marriage, asking God to do what only He can do. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior, I want to invite you to come, step out of the place where you'll be standing and say, Pastor, today I need to be saved. I'm that person. I need God to forgive me. You come this morning. Maybe you want to join this church. You come this morning. Maybe you've never followed the Lord in baptism and you need to come and make that decision today. You do that. Whatever decision God lays on your heart, you obey Him today. For His glory and His honor. All across the room, I want to invite you to stand this morning as we pray and the invitation begins. Lord, we surrender all that we are to You today. We ask, God, that You would help us to move on the decisions You've placed on our heart. That You would empower us. And God, that You would redeem what is broken. And I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You come to this altar this morning. It's open. I surrender all. You've been listening to the Southwide Baptist Church Podcast with Pastor Jeremy Lewis. For more information about our church, please visit www.southwidebaptist.com. We also invite you to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram by searching for Southwide BC. Thank you for listening, and may you continue to worship, connect, Grow and multiply as you follow Jesus Christ.